G'day everybody and welcome to the Punters Preamble. My name is Jake Altieri, stepping in for Simon Dinopoulos to preview all the action this week. Joining me is none other than Adam Blanco and Blanks. Where is the highest rated horse racing anywhere in the world and who is it most importantly? You know the answer to both of those questions. <laughs> it's Wellington and it's in, fittingly with no Dinopoulos here, it's in your backyard. Wellington, highest rated horse going around in the Centenary Sprint Cup. We had the big race Last week, and this is not quite that, but Wellington v Lucky Swayness is still a, um, I dare say, a salivating sprint for you Hong Kong nerds. I have a question for you, though. So Wellington has been turned over at odds-on in the big trial for the sprint, and Lucky Swayness was turned over at odds-on in the sprint itself and in the race before that. So my question to you is, do you Hong Kong punters have any idea what you're doing? Well, I'd like to think I do. (laughs) I backed Wellington first up when he rolled Swayness, but I then went again second up, pulled up lame apparently. Uh, Richard Gibson going on to then say he's a bit like a football star where or soccer star, I should say, whatever you want to call it, where he gets one little injury and rolls around for a little while. So he's got him a sook. He, a little bit, yes, just to put it lightly. But I guess it's just going a race in two, really. I'm not sure if you can really tell much from those last two outings. Wellington, as I said, pulled up lame. And then in the big G1 sprint, the Hong Kong sprint, Lucky Swain S got trapped along the rail there and didn't have much luck getting out. So he was unlucky, wasn't he? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he was coming late and then he since won again over 1,400 metres at the top of the weight. So I guess a bit of recency bias in the price. So he's currently $1.72 we're looking at right now. So we're going. they're going again. They're going odds on Lucky Swain S again to beat him. I'm not opposed to it, but I do believe they should be a bit closer together in the market considering I think Wellington's got him at level weights at the moment. But the fact that Zach sticks with Lucky Swainess, I mean, they were never going to give the ride. They were never going to take the ride away from Alex Bedell, but I just think that they should be closer together in the market as they are than they are right now. No, I don't think that's unfair. And well, Wellington has the honour of being our highest rated horse for the weekend. Tips out Valiant Prince. Friday night, sing spiel at the Maydan. He was the closest. He's into the 120s, but very evenly matched race there and won't be one of the highlights of the carnival, that's for sure. It'll be a good race, though. But, um, no, Wellington is is top dog. There's another There's another good race at Hong Kong on Sunday as well. Yes, we got the... Should I be looking at that? Uh, probably not, and if you do, you won't take... It won't <laughs> what take, an advertisement for Hong Kong and, race. And if you do, it won't take you very long to look at. Only the six runners going around in the centenary vase of 1,800 metres... A name familiar with Australian circles in Senor Toba, running about a thousand metres too short of his ah, pet okay. trip. Uh, this looks a little bit like a walk jog sprint, as it did in the January Cup. So I suspect Money Catcher will roll to the front. He won't have it all his own way this time around, though. With Kanying Star also in the race, those two will just roll forward, and I suspect do as they please out in front, and then hopefully run away with the race. An interesting runner, though, is looking great right down the bottom of the weights. He was 40-1 to 1 in the January Cup. Now draws one. Karis Teton can sit close on their backs. Uh, it'll just be a question of whether he can out-sprint the top two when they go. But again, a half-decent meeting at Chartin. The top's good, but there's a long, very long tail to the Chartin meeting. That's Hong Kong racing in a nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, at the moment, definitely. But we seem to know a little bit about what's going on, or at least acting like we do. One race or one horse we have 
no idea about what's going on. Is actually the feature race at Randwick on Saturday. Race 8, the Eskimo Prince. And I guess, namely, it's Aft Cabin, isn't it? Aft Cabin? Or oh, Aft Cabin. I think it's Aft Cabin. I'll roll with Aft. I'll just go against the grain. I think Aft actually sounds better, but I think Aft is right. Um, but So we don't know how to pronounce it, and we don't know what to do with it. Is that is that fair to say? I don't know what to do with it. I think it's... It's a big rating there last time, but he's done that in deplorable conditions. He was absolutely hosing down. He beat Meridius, who's no star, but he, he did absolutely thrash them. Hard to know what to make of the time there because of the conditions and the way that affected the the remainder of that card. So we're you know we're left to uh, leap to noisy inferences there. Um, he'd looked terrific behind Jackano before that, and obviously that's form as well. So I I concede he has a great chance. The rating tells me he has a great chance, but I look at that rating and I I don't know about it. And hence, he's the Dunno, and it's a it's a doozy of a Dunno race, isn't it? There's plenty of Dunnos about it, that's for sure. Mm. We were saying before off air that Godolphin have almost made a knack the past few years in being first up into the Eskimo Prince and winning, especially off. One trial, Kementari and Paul Lely within the last, what's that, six years? Uh, 2018, 2020, yeah. And they missed one in there. There was a there was a non-event. So they've had two of the three best winners. The best winner of the Eskimo Prince in the last dozen years. Can you name him? Tracy Trivia. No, it's not, it's not special. Well, I don't want to hear about it then. There's one better. He was good too. El Rocker. Remember him? Yeah. El Rocker. Trini Basutin. Oh, that makes sense. The human heart rate monitor, Trent Basutin, got a big peak out of El Rocker, who was a Mighty good horse on his day, and I think bumped into Terra Vista after that and ran second in what I, off the top of my head, I'm going to say was the finest Liverpool City Cup in modern in modern history. Probably broke his heart too, didn't he, Terra Vista? Terra, no, I think El Rocker was good again after that. Uh, El Rocker was El Rocker was rock solid. They don't make them like they used to. Anyway, there's no El Rockers here, but well, maybe with Aft Cabin there is there's hope that he could be. An El Rocker, which is 120 and change. He's only 115 at the moment. But the interesting thing is 115 is actually better than what won the Caulfield Guineas. I think he I think he was the he was the Caulfield Guineas horse. Golden Mile substituted in. Fine substitute for the Blue Jackets. Um, but my read of things was and the ratings read of things was that Alf Cabin was ahead of him, if only slightly, in the pecking order. Then he had the bleed missed. And they would have been devastated because it was a soft Caulfield Guineas, and I as I said he had the rating to win it. Um, Zoo Tiger is another Dunno, is he not? Yeah, he was very interesting. I was saying to you off air, three trials leading in. I feel like this is more his distance rather than what the other, rather than what his rivals are going to want. They're all going to press on to Ranwick and Royal Guineas, and I guess even then we'll throw in the Derby runners eventually. But I feel like he's more. This 13, 1400 meter horse. The here and now horse. Yeah, maybe like Hobartville and then. So, Ren- do you think he might be more go back to the ludicrous three year old sprint at the championships that shouldn't exist as opposed to go on to the Ramwick? Well, they'll, they'll run in the Ramwick Guineas, but then they might have a think about it. Is that where you're. He might be back, back in trip as opposed to miling full time. I'd say so. He is out of a schnitzel mare, though. We haven't seen. I would like to think we haven't seen the bottom of him. Only five starts in. The fact that they didn't really stretch him last campaign, they straight away went to the Golden Rose and didn't press on further might did be a they, bit of a... This is, again, off the top of my head. Did they not press on and scratch? I think he was in the... Was he in the Tappy Craig or the Stan Fox or... 
they now are the same race perhaps or the other race they invented in between. I think he was in there and he pulled out. I think there was weather. So I think they had intentions of going on. There you go. So there's another spanner in there. More Dunno's. Oh, I we don't know anything help. about it. What a good podcast when we <laughs> – let's pull up this race that we have no idea about and just speak about what we don't know. Right um, now I don't even know what I'm talking about. No. Nah. <laughs> uh, Osipenko is another massive Dunno because he was arguably run of the race stuff in the Caulfield Guineas. I backed him to win the spring champion and <laughs> So you were thrilled when he went to the Caulfield Guineas then? Yep. And Although, you know, you could have done both this year. Is that right? I think yeah. you do. I think it was, wasn't that <laughs> quick of a backup than it has been in previous yes. years. But um, obviously pulled the pin after that. He's trialled well, as you'd expect from a good horse, but very quietly. And, I mean, his first trial reads seventh, but he's only beaten 1.9, making good ground up the inside. You trial pervs, you're sick. Trialled well since then again at Ranwick. I'll ignore that comment. But <laughs> I feel like Nash on, he might get back from the draw. That doesn't really scream back me. And again, I guess, think he's another one for the guineas later on in the, in the autumn yeah. rather than right here, right now. I'm almost certain that he's very talented, but I don't know where he's at right now. And I don't know that 1,200 first up is his go. So that's, again, he falls into the, the Dunno category. But that Caulfield Guineas run was um, in a soft Caulfield Guineas, as I said, but that's, a, that's the run of a horse who can run. So Jarden, he's another 1,200 here and now, but you don't think he's much good? Uh don't think so. I'll be I'll be happy he's to, fairly good. I'll be happy to get around him either way. He might be get around him or bet around him. Bit of both. I'll get around him when the time call, when the time comes. Oh, you don't think this is the time? No, I don't think so. But I mean, Portelli's pulled the rug out from underneath me quite a few times before, and it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and it wouldn't surprise for him to do it again. But I just think in a field like this, he might be the sort of second stringers. Yeah, he would be. I would be surprised if others here don't have much. Well, they already do have higher ratings than him, and don't continue to do so. But he does have the right a rating that would be pretty much bang on the average for this race at twelve hundred, which is something that you know if he catches the others all having you know little kickoff days, he seems you know first time first up twelve hundred. He's he's just about there, isn't he? And he's got the Godolphin Prep one trial. Into the Eskimo Prince. That's now officially the Godolphin prep. Yeah, we'll trademark that. Why not? <laughs> is that is he one of these horses that came burst onto the scene as a two year old? He was favourite for the Golden Gift, wasn't he? And then I think he he. I'll well, go further. I think he won the Golden. Yeah, Gift. That's correct. He was the winner of the Golden Gift, and has he just sort of it was that him, or has he been better than that since? He has been better than that since. He was better than that. Well, I'm saying he was better than that. Both winning. What did he win? This time last year, won a slipper trial before, like uh, that was after the Golden Gift, obviously. Won a good slipper trial, so that would have been a bit better. Pretty good in the Golden Rose without threatening, but good. And then the win at the Valley. Um, that's all. Yeah, as I said, he was he was a big miss in the he was a miss in the Coolmore. I just said a big miss, and I immediately retract that statement. It wasn't a big miss. He ran tenth, but that was okay. He wasn't beating miles. It was a high pressure race. Yeah. When I saw that early betting, I, I must admit, my I didn't know, but I liked what I saw in the early betting because what I thought I did know was that I didn't need to play into that market. It looked pretty it looked pretty sharp. But Sir Jardin was probably the one I thought if there was one that's been a little bit missed there, it might be him. The Bizarro this week is at Sandown. Blanks, you said there were plenty of horses that you could have nominated for the Bizarro this week, but you've landed on one later on in the card. 
yeah, I think Sandown is all right, and I think there are a lot of um, there are a lot of favourites that you could make a plausible case one way or another with, which is exciting, isn't it? That's that's betting one hundred and one right there. You could, I think, you could make good cases for why favourites are good favourites and potentially good bets, and I think you can make cases for those very same favourites being a little bit flaky and, and horses to oppose. So I think the betting will be pretty good there. It was like snapped, snapped comes up favourite. And I look at her and think, wow, okay, she was unlucky in Sydney last start. She won well at the course and distance first up, so I get it. So I suppose she that's why she's not here. She's not the bizarre. It's not bizarre that she's favourite, but there's a couple up the top that have genuine ratings ahead of her. So she does have to, assuming they show up and run well, and I think they will, Beggy's pair and, and such, I think you know, she's a, a potentially very beatable, well, she's absolutely beatable, but potentially a wrong favourite, snapped. Um, but not quite bizarre, is she? No. no, from the from what you've said, no, no. Uh, British Columbia comes up favourite, even though last start I think he was terrible, deplorable. Even though he was third and beaten less than a length, terrible British Columbia. But he was terrific first up, which is in the context of that first up run is why I think he was so terrible last start. So I can see people going, "Wow, you forgive him one run where he wasn't even beaten far." Um, and his first up run gives him a great shot. So I can see the positive, but I can also see my angle. Terrible. Uh, and then we move on to the horse that actually lands. It isn't quite favourite in the early betting, but what I find a little bit bizarre is that Wright and Rose comes up. Is it five to two? Have you got a market there? We do have a market. Second pick, $3.70. $3.70 against Detonator Jack, who's about five to four and has a big map issue. But I don't think he has a talent issue, Detonator Jack. He was beaten last start by... Passive tactics, and perhaps they employ them again. Barrier 11, Johnny Allen, the pace looks anything but assured. Smells of a back market. Oh, it's dangerous, isn't it? But he's very talented, and I don't think, well, you know the high pedestal that I have Sosie Bon on. Very I, high. I don't think getting beaten by Sosie Bon is such a big knock. And Wright and Rose comes up awfully close to him in the betting there. Now, a bit of racing trivia for you. How many winners this century have come from Camperdown to Sandown. Can you name me how many runners, first of all? 37 have tried such a feat. Let's go with four. No, half that. Half that. Two winners. I was close. Two winners, and they've won at about half the rate you would expect it by random chance. They've beaten 30% fewer horses home at Sandown. So, as if it were needed. Confirmation. Sandown is a bit harder than Camperdown, as a rule. Really? They've slid three places, finish position-wise, on average, from Camperdown to uh, to Sandown this century, those 37. That doesn't sound too bad. And on average, they have rolled out 25 points in the betting. So from $1.60-odd at Camperdown, if we were following averages, Wright and Rose should be about 25 to 1, shouldn't she? <laughs> or he, sorry. Wright and Rose as well. is a Here's another issue I've got with Wright and Rose. That's <laughs> Just add a, it to the list. That's a mare's name. It's a and it's a gelding, and so I'm going to continue like until Wright and Rose retires. I'm going to be saying she all the time and looking like a goose. So I've got Wright and Rose right in the crosshairs for this. So the the two winners we go walk down memory lane here. So everyone remember back in 2004 when Shango's image ran second at Camperdown, came and won at Sandown off the back of a second in the Camperdown Cup. Yeah, I was five years old. I yeah. remember it clear as day. Well, it was a hot Camperdown Cup because four winners came out of that. Shango's image being one of them, but the Sandown race that Shango's won, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know whether a baby Altieri remembers this. but me with it, I might. It was actually a country cup at Sandown. 
So it was all country horses. I think I do remember that. Mm. So he's four to one in the, the Camperdown Cup, seven to one when winning at Sandown. So it was uh, the step up might not have been as vast as other Camperdown to, to Sandown stats might suggest. 2003, now here's one. So if you don't remember the 2004 Camperdown Cup, 2003 is going to stretch you. No, I think I might have this one. <laughs> 2004. Do you remember who won the 2003? Because this didn't even win at Camperdown before it came to Sandown and won. Yakama. It was ridden by Nifty Neville Wilson, went eighth in the Camperdown Cup. To the Spunk. The Spunk came up from Tassie for Charlie Goggin and won the Camperdown Cup. And then straight away, that was his last run. There must have been a ceremony or something. It was his last run for Charlie Goggin. What a way to go out. And he was then pitched off to Alice Springs where things took a turn for the worst. The spunk didn't, didn't fire in, in Alice. But Probably a bit up for him. But he'd been a grand Tassie performer for, for God. His form for Charlie Goggin was outstanding and highlighted by his 2003 Camperdown Cup, winner, Cup, Camperdown Cup win. Um, but Yakama back in eighth went straight to Sandown. Never Wilson off. G Child's on. 450 became 10 to 1 at Sandown. That's bet up. That sounds like a setup job if ever I've heard Bang! Yakama wins at Sandown. And I'll tell you what he did in that very same year. He went on and won the 2003 Herbert Power and earned himself a shot at the Ma- at Maccabi Diva's first Melbourne Cup. He was eighth to the Diva. I'll tell you what, this is like takeover target territory. So he was eighth in the Camperdown Cup of 2003 and eighth in the Melbourne Cup of 2003. Yakama. Now, does that mean Wright and Rose is a Melbourne Cup chance? I'm saying no, and I'm saying it shouldn't even be 350 on Saturday. Thoughts? <laughs> Do you have any? After all that, I, could, I have to uh, agree with you. No, five to two. I, despite the efforts of Yakama some 20 years ago, Wright and Rose looks too short to me. Not a bad horse. I must, I, as much as he's uh, in the crosshairs for his feminine name and Camperdown, and poor Camperdown stats, uh, I must concede he has done a lot right. But I, I think Detonator Jack is a, probably a decent gamble, actually, away from the map issue. At least you're staring the issue in the face. At least you know when you go in, and you're going to take short odds, and there's a few of them at Sandown on, on Saturday. At least you're going to take it with Detonator Jack, knowing what you're walking into. So when it all goes pear-shaped, you'll know why. Eyes wide open, it's a good way to get beat, I find. Because so, i got to say, for, for talent, I think Detonator Jack's a really, really good horse. And I don't think he, as I said, don't think he disgraced himself last start. Was and he was 2-5 to five there, dollar forty. Uh, I don't think this is much harder. Proven group one performer. I don't think he probably, I, you know, we'll say the evidence is in even though we only saw one running of it, but we'll, the, we'll say that he shouldn't have been two to five last start. But if he was anything like that last start, he's closer to it this start as well. Does that make sense? I think so. <laughs> Does any of that make sense? Does any of that rant make any sense whatsoever? Who I'm knows? assuming you're uh, not giving any more merit into the fact that Wright and Rose pulled up lame last start. And still one? No, not, I, not, or not enough weight to uh, turn the tables? No, no, I, I didn't look at the stewards' report to know that, actually. Uh, probably hard to come I by. I just assumed. Just Pro- assumed. Probably a bit hard to come by uh, the Camperdown stewards' report. No, not these days. You can find anything out there. I will say that um, the 2003-2004 Camperdown Cups were run in 96 and change, whereas Wright and Rose ran 95 and change for the mile at Camperdown. So perhaps we could say Wright and Rose was anything but a regular Camperdown Cup winner. Uh, only I could find in this century 
here to there, the 2019, you'd remember here to there, the 2019 Camperdown Cup winner has won the Cup in faster time than Wright and Rose. So for all that I continue to say things that make a strong case for Wright and Rose, I think he is too short. Now, do you want my best? Not yet. I've got a question for you. Ah, shoot. The two-year-olds go around in the Chairman Stakes Group 3 level. You're pretty glowing of VC after its debut effort. Are you hoping that this is a race where two-year-olds can stamp themselves and become the Blue Diamond hopeful that you're looking for? Mm. Especially in the review on Monday, you were you went oh you weren't uh, what did I, I say? You weren't unhappy with the performances through the previews on Australia Day, but. You oh, sounded, I want this to be better than that. I was going to say, yeah. you were sounding like you wanted a little bit more out of it. I always want more, but I definitely wanted more. I would like to see more on Saturday because I think VC is a VC's debut was well above average and fits in with some of these good debuts we're seeing in Sydney. So this is a, a big next step for, for VC. I don't know about... He, so he was 1,100 at Flemington. Now he's back to the downhill 1,000 at Sandown. That's, it, I don't want to make excuses for him because if he's going to be really good... He should just round these up, shouldn't he? But um, I don't love that necessarily because I thought he was warming to the task beautifully at Flemington. The further they went, the better he got was my impression. So I was thinking 1,200 will be no problem, which is part of the reason why I thought, even though it was a slow race, I must say, so it wasn't an exhaustive test at 1,100 and he's clearly not lacking for speed given his change of gears there. Um, But I think 1,200 is well within his range, which is part of the reason why I think he is a a potential Blue Diamond candidate. Sarasana did run much. I mean, speed figure guys are going to prefer Sarasana to VC for sure because Sarasana didn't have the sort of sectional power of VC but did run faster overall time at the course and distance and one by space and it's quite a warm time figure. So between them, you've got the makings of a good race and you've got a race where the, the newcomers are going to have to be assuming the, the front of the market fronts um, the newcomers have to be pretty good to knock them off, I think. Zulfika obviously led one on debut back in October. Uh, I, that was pretty weak, pretty weak figures and ordinary thereafter. Um, but goes around in a blue jacket and obviously well educated and does a bit right, so fits in there somewhere. But on deeds to date, not not near the two at the front of the market anyway. So to answer your question, yes, I would expect quite a bit there. I'm hoping for something. Upbeat and diamond bound. Now do you want my best? Now, give me your best bet. I'm assuming we're sticking down south in Sandown. No, I think I'm I think contractually obliged. I think it has to be at Sandown. In fact it absolutely does. I get asked for a tip in Melbourne. Well, that's good. So. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Uh, I am tipping Black Max in race three. As I said, I think there's a, a lot of interesting bits and pieces across this card, but Black Max was the one that caught my eye for the very much in form Lindsay Smith stable. It's funny, we, in the office, we like to bag jockeys and trainers behind their backs and funnel, <laughs> and, funnel, and funnily enough, after Blanks was the going... The key part about doing things behind someone's back is then you don't go on your podcast and tell them. <laughs> yeah, we don't know, they don't know who we're talking about. But after Blanks bagged Lindsay Smith on Wednesday, <laughs> on Wednesday afternoon saying, yeah, you know, he's going okay, mm. he's come out and had five winners and you're making him your best. Mm. Well, I think I used the phrase flat track bully and no weary. Mm. So the thing, so and I've written about this in my contractually obligated Melbourne Mail, where this selection comes from. Um, you can find that at racing sports. Fifteen winners already in twenty twenty three. Five of them were on Wednesday at Warrnambool. 
and his last eight have been on his home deck at Warrnambool. And I have had a theory, and the market market statistics will tell you this theory holds some weight. That he's, and it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? He's he's a much more dangerous proposition in the bush out west than he is in town. But the the betting tends to treat him with a lot of respect in town. They treat him like a city trainer. And to this day, to this point anyway in Melbourne, he has underwhelmed that expectation in, in the city. But it's interesting. So I was looking at it. He's had 15 winners in to start the year at 36% and twice the rate of market expectation in, in January. So he's had a big start to the year. He did this last year and he did it the year before before cooling right down in February both times. Now, I think that's just, I think it's just random noise. I think it's probably, well, I shouldn't say random noise. Maybe the, maybe the way that sable is set up, it's, it's set up to, to get their horses firing and to get their horses peaking at Warrnambool where there are meetings in, in the West over that sort of holiday period as well. So maybe that's, you know, there would be, there would be reasons to expect that, but they've cooled right down. So if you look last year, they had 11 winners just ahead of the market in January, 2022 before 067 winners per expected winner in February and just half the number of winners overall and they halved their winners in February short a month maybe that's it halved their winners in February from January the year before that as well so I'm expecting Lindsay's hot run to come crashing down but for all of that and then I started writing all this up and I was like oh but by the way I am tipping him (laughs) no good in town expecting him to revert to mean overplayed in the city by the market Best of the week, Lindsay Smith in town with Black Max. But the thing Black Max has going for him that I like a lot is that he won last start, scrambled in, looked hideous. Terry called him out. He was gone. In Terry's defence, he was. He's going nowhere. When the race quickened, and I thought Ollie erred big time in grabbing hold of him and letting the race... He rode him to the race, not to the horse, was was my thinking. He rode him to this slow pace, and when they quickened down the hill there, he, he got less scrambling. wasn't quick enough. But slowly but surely, he wound through his gears and, and by the end, I think, he win by a neck or something like that, but I think he won with a bit more authority than that. Given no chance first up, terrible tactics first up, but just a blowout. So um, he splits there, said that he was back ready to go on with the little bits of promise that he showed last prep. Said last start, I think he was a lot better than the result and now he gets 1,800 and he should get a stronger pace to run it. The map looks good for him here, I think. So I think if he gets that chance to sort of sustain his effort a little bit more in 1800 I think that brings out a much better performance from him and I think most of these if not all of these well I'm hoping all of these can't match that so it's Black Max for me that's race three that is number two yep race three at Sandown number two Black Max interesting to see you 17 dollars first up dollar 90 second up yeah are we reading anything into that uh well that's not my job to read into that no but (laughs) well actually it kind of is I mean he was genuinely set a Herculean task there first up. He had the wide, he drew widest of 13 and they just bluffed him straight out the back and he had absolutely no hope. But his splits were good. He was the, it was pretty obvious he was the best horse in the race. Your best? Where are you going for your best? Well, I think, speaking earlier, uh, money catcher in the Group 3 Centenary Vars will be very hard to run down from the front. I was going to say, it should be Hong Kong because if I'm, you know, you, you're contractually here to talk Hong Kong. Only your contract. <laughs> I'm just here to make the numbers up. Really, I'm just the filling. Yeah, should have should have should have said that on the way in. Uh, welcome to the Prunners preamble. You I'm fill in. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think Money Catcher can run all the way. I thought he would be a little bit slower than he was last start in the January Cup, and by that I mean I thought he'd take more control 
and try and run away. But he actually ran that race pretty evenly and gave everyone a chance looking at the sectionals. So if he does something similar again, they're not going to be able to run him down once more, even though he's carrying more weight and meeting some of these worse at the weights. They'll all be spotting him a start and they won't be able to gun him down. So money catcher in then in the centenary vase on Sunday at Chartin. But for Saturday, we're going to Eagle Farm this week. Bris Vegas. Bris Vegas. Race five, number two, buying time. This fellow was pretty good first up. He won a class four over the 1,050 metres. Small field, slowly run race, but he settled in the middle of the pack and pretty much just kicked their faces in. One at, a <laughs> short, one at short odds, three lengths was the final margin. Eloquent pros. So, I mean... The O'Day and Hoisted guys, are, yeah, they're worth following, right? They're there flying and they're heading down to Melbourne. they got three going down to Melbourne very, very shortly for the autumn carnival down there. So they're worth following, especially at this time of year. And funnily enough, he's in the Uncommon James colours as well. I think he's better than the Class 3 that he popped up in on Saturday. I'm happy to make cases against his main market rivals. In a sec, comes up second pick. Got been at Ipswich last start. And that was in a benchmark 65. So pretty happy to dodge that. And the main danger I thought was Zavaboom. It's $9.50, but even on its best form, it only matches up to buying time, where I think buying time is on an upward curve. So pretty happy to play him at about $2.20, I see at the moment, at the market we're looking at. But if you can get a little bit better wherever you shop, that's... Eagle Farm, race five, number two, buying time. Is that it? That is it. That's well the, substituted. That is the punter's preamble for this week. What's the date today? February the 2nd. Simon Denopoulos back on Monday for the weekend review. I'm sure Blanco will be there as well. Happy as Larry. And hopefully he has some nice numbers to talk about.